it today. So if you've not become a member of this church and you would like to know more about it right after church, it's straight back before you get to the last. I hope they're not fighting back there, but whatever happens going on. I'm just teasing. You have a you little fight back there or something? Thank you very much, Rod. Hallelujah. Anyway, we'll be there. and Come on, you can learn more about the church, become a member, and be so glad that you're connected to a vibrant, uh, growing, um, eventful church. Uh, it's really funny. We come to church and we think there's going to be no problems. The real issue is you come to church and find out you have problems. <laughs> Isn't it true? You find out you really have problems. You find out you have issues. You know, and we all do. I mean, I'm sorry, but we all have issues. And, you know, the worst thing you can do is not expose them to the sun. S-O-N. I have a saying that I used to say all the time. I still say it sometimes. Uh, you know, there's, there's, you just have to find a break in the clouds. You just have to find a break in the clouds. The sun is always shining. S-O-N. It's always shining. You just have to find your break in the clouds. And if we didn't have these clouds, then most of us wouldn't come to the Lord or we wouldn't get to a place of humility, which is a real big issue in the Christian church, especially the American church. Humility is hard to find. I mean, because we develop our own sense and style of Christianity that if it doesn't, if it doesn't meet with our own cookie-cutter American faith, then it must be wrong and well, and there's, since there's so many churches in the world, you can find yours. You can find your church that believes how you believe. It may not be right, it may not be biblical, it may not be truth, but you can find that church and you can be comfortable. But remember, God hadn't called you to be comfortable. He's called you to be faithful. That's the truth in Christianity. I'm talking on hooked today. Hooked, colors of the Spirit. There's colors in the Spirit, I want you to know. First of all, say followers, followers. Fish. fish, and that's me. And don't remember, if you're not today, you're going to become a follower. God does the catching, we just have to fish. That's all we have to do is fish. Nothing, nothing any more difficult. I think the, one of the reasons why we don't fish, Mary Lou, is the fact that we think we're supposed to do the catching. And if we don't catch every time we fish, we don't go fishing. You know that's the truth about people in fishing? I'm told, let's just take the natural fishing. If you take somebody that goes fishing and the first several times they go, they don't catch anything, do you know what the real truth is? Most of them are never going back. And that's why many Christians that are supposed to be evangelistic, they tried one time, and they, since their flesh has not been subdued by the Spirit, get embarrassed or get um, somebody condemns them or whatever it may be, then they never fish again because they felt slighted. You don't have to worry about feeling anything. All you have to do is present the gospel, and whatever happens after that, it's up to God. But we don't see it like that. We see it like, well, God better do something that blesses me, because I did. Well, what do we say about all the early disciples that did what they did, and they died an early death except for John? Even John, even in his life, lived a very critical, horrible life that, that wasn't easy. But if we don't see an easy way in Christianity, then our American faith seems to be rocked so easily because it's built on sinking sand most of the time. Fishing is truly a skill. It really is. 
Even to tie a hook, if you don't know how to tie a fishing knot, is a skill. You have to know many things to be an effective fisherman. Many things. But even beginners can sometimes catch the biggest and most fish. Beginners. I love beginners when they go to fish. You know why they can do this? Because they just do what the person's with tells them. You put a lure on their line or a bait, and they throw it, and they just believe because you told them, here's how you catch. I really believe it's faith that calls that fish up out of there. They're catching more than everybody else. And it's making the professional kind of mad. Come on, somebody. I've been with those people. I've been with my son when he was a little kid, and I showed him how to fish, and he's just like tuna, you know, pulling them in. And I'm like, you know, i got to break his line or something. He didn't catch any more than I'm catching. You know, and then he got older. Of course, he knows how to fish, but the real issue is now we compete full on. If I have the lure, if you think I'm giving him the lure, you must. I don't care if he's catching none. I'm happy about it. Matter of fact, you understand we're competing. Now, back in the supernatural, what do we want people to do? We want all of us to catch a fish. We want all of us to present the gospel. But remember, it's God that is reliable for the outcome. When I was first born again, I was a spear in the hand of God. I didn't fish too much, Jim. I was more of a spear. (laughs) I was taught how to fish by the pastor that was at our anniversary celebration. And then I went fishing. I fished everywhere I went. You couldn't take me anywhere. If it was at school and I was teaching biology or science or whatever I was teaching, at the end of my lesson, I would always stop at least within 10 minutes of class And I would either play a tape of the gospel or I would preach the gospel for the last 10 minutes. This is the truth. Did I get in trouble? You already know that. This is where I had to learn God cannot catch fish unless fishermen fish. I'm not proud. I don't think I've already told you this. I think I was wrong preaching in my classroom. I do. They didn't hire me to preach in the classroom. They hired me to teach, coach, and then my life should have been exemplary of the fact that I'm a believer. But instead, I took it overboard because when somebody told me to fish, they said fish everywhere, so let's blame them. Everybody blame somebody, so I fished everywhere. There are three areas in which all fishermen must learn how to fish, Bruce. I'm going to teach you something about fishing today. You don't use dynamite, telephoning, or anything like that. There are other concerns, but I'm just talking about fishing in general. Number one, you must learn how to present the bait, okay? What kind of bait, a floater, a sinker, whatever it may be, but you know what? You need to learn how to present the bait. I mean, people know how to fish. I mean, I'm serious. You get a beginner, they throw it out there, and they're moving the bait all wrong, but because they have faith, the biggest bass in the tank hits their line. And you're just like, dude, I've been learning how to do this for years, and here you are out here out fishing me. So it's not always true, but these are general things. When you get to fishing, I guess you start to lose faith So you have to learn how to do all this stuff. I don't know. Number two, attraction of the bait. How to manipulate the bait to make it simply irresistible. Y'all know that song, Simply Irresistible. Y'all know that song? I love that song. I don't even know what it's about, but I just love that. Maybe we can play that just for a minute if we had it. I wish we had it because I really like it. I might go off and acting really crazy, but I really like that song. Y'all ever hear a song that's really crazy and y'all go off? Or do y'all just sit there like this? <laughs> if you're around my house, baby, I hear some kind of crazy song. My wife just starts laughing. 
I don't know why. I think I look pretty cool. <laughs> Number three, we have, first we have a, a, you have a presentation, you have an attraction, and the third one you have, you have a reaction to the bait. The fish need to react. Getting a bump, what we call, if you're using a worm or something, you get a little bump, you go, I got a bump. Everybody goes, okay, you got a little fish or you got a stump or you got some weeds or whatever. Or a strike or maybe nothing is even interested. Then you either know that you're using the wrong bait or you could be using the wrong technique. You must study different fish if you want to know how to catch more than one kind of fish. Y'all know that? Y'all ever thought about that? How many, how many truly, how many of y'all have true knowledge of fishing? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay, after church, we're having a lesson. <laughs> I didn't say it was me going to teach it. There's some of these others in here raising their hand. I, I can tile, you know, some, I mean, I can fish okay. I mean... I was out at Steve Haney's tank a while back, and I outfished Steve and my son and everybody else out there. Boy, it made my son mad, too. He didn't catch a one. I caught like, what? No, it was It was not beginner's luck, I promise. <laughs> Listen to him. As a result, you will be able to change the presentation, attraction, and reaction in order to be most effective. So you have to learn how to know who you're fishing for and what you're fishing for. To be effective in fishing, you must use what is available. You can fish off the bank or use a floating bridge called a boat. It's a bridge. It's all it is. It's just a floating bridge. You know, it's really cool to have a boat. Sometimes, if you know the right spot, you can catch more fish on the bank than in the boat. I'll never forget, I was at Sam Houston, little Sam Houston State Park. They got a nice little lake there. And I was fishing with the smallest crappie hook in the world. My son was there. He was a little back when he was a kid. And I was using like a Zebico 202 or something. And I threw that thing out there and I was just playing around. And all of a sudden, it, got, it hooked something. I thought, and it didn't move. And I thought, well, I'm hung up. That's what a fisherman thinks. So I start pulling on it. And finally, I irritate that big old bass enough to where I eventually strip the rod and reel. The guts of it are completely stripped. It will not reel anymore. So I just start backing up toward the bank. And sure enough, I pull up about a six-pound bass. And a guy in a $15,000 bass boat, he's got trolling motor seats, and he's got a huge motor on that thing. He's watching me pull this thing up there. And somebody had already asked him, what'd you catch? He didn't have any luck. And I pull that big old bass up there, and he almost wants to shoot me. <laughs> he really does. He cannot believe I'm doing that. So it depends on where you are. And even that little bass really didn't need that little, it's too small for him to eat, but I think I put it, come on somebody, this is the key, right in the right spot where he couldn't say no. That's one of the keys. It depends on the fish you're catching. I would go off a little bit, but I'm not. I'm getting close. Y'all don't even know. My wife can't believe I act that silly. But listen, if I didn't, you know my wife? Plain Jane. I love her dearly, but she's not me. I'm over here in the left field, and she's over there going, now get back to the center, son. 
When being fishes of men, we can say what children say at their classes. Jesus is the answer for everything. Isn't that right? If you don't know anything else, somebody asks you, well, what is with just Jesus? Well, how did you get Jesus? Well, how come you changed Jesus? I mean, if you, don't, if you can't explain it, the gospel, the name, the name of Jesus. He bridges every gap so man will be so enthralled with the message, he can only say yes. See, that's the key. That's what you're getting, trying to get people to say. Not yes to you. That's why you get your feelings hurt. You don't want to say yes to you. You don't have anything to offer. All you have to offer in the supernatural is eternity through the Holy Ghost, through the blood of the Lamb. So you want them to say yes to him. But we get our feelings hurt when they don't say yes because we're taking it personal. They're saying no to us. They're not saying no to you. They're not. I'm trying to teach you a little bit today. Since we're talking about colors today, let's begin with an environment we all begin in when we're born. It's called darkness. Darkness means absence of light. Okay? Turn them off. Turn them off. Uh Uh-oh, we got one back on. Turn that off back there, Marcus. You can do that. Boom. And we're still not really dark as I want to be, but we can't help it and don't turn off everything because then we'll have to reboot, and I don't even know what that means. All right, turn the lights back on. Now think about this. There's darkness. This is what we're all born in. Every single one of us. Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says, read for me. Oh, we already turned that off. What happened? There we go. For all, for all have sinned. That's not what we're supposed to be reading. I don't know why that's up there. Matthew 6, 22. I don't know what happened. Maybe I didn't put it up there. Let's try it. Maybe it's going to come up. All right, get this. The eye is the lamp of the body, right? Is that up there yet? Okay, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Okay? But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now listen to this. This is where the verse really goes crazy. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, many of us can be deceived that we think the light we're walking in is of God, when in reality, it's not God, it's darkness. How great is that darkness when you're so deceived what you think you're walking in is the light of God when it's really the darkness of the enemy or the darkness of the devil. This is the darkness we're all born in. Every one of us. Now we can go to Romans 3, 23. For have and short of the glory of God. All means all means All means, that's every single one of us. Romans 5.18. Yes, Adam's one sin. Now I want you to get this. Now I want you to read this. Always read this out loud. You see it, you hear it, and you read it. There's three ways that you're getting an open invitation to believe the truth that's being presented to you today. It's so important that you understand this. All have sinned through one man. All can be saved through one man. But without being saved, you're in darkness. This is the darkness we've all been born into. No matter who you are, rich, poor, tall, short, American, Russian, popular, unpopular, Jew, Gentile, 
Everyone on this planet, everyone is born in darkness. Everyone. I don't even have time to go through all the scripture that indicates this. But it's more, we're all born into a spiritual darkness. We took Zoe and Camille one time to Natural Bridge Caverns. And when you get to a certain spot, to the bottom of the cave, you ever, y'all ever been spelunking? Matt, you know what a spelunker is? He's a cave dweller, man. He's down there exploring, exploring caves, man. That's a spelunker. We get to a certain spot, they turn off all the lights. You have no view. I mean, you cannot literally see this. I tried it. I mean, I got it as close as I could, and I was straining, and I cannot see anything. That is the darkness that you're born in. Now, I want you to get this. I think some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. I I can see. No, you can't see in the spiritual realm of the Holy Ghost until you get born again. And until that happens, you can't be delivered. You can't move on. You can't have an understanding of what real life is all about. You have no view. How we enter the world, spiritually dead, therefore darkness. So you're in darkness. How do you like it when it's dark? I know what it was. Till I was 28, I was in darkness. And truly, eventually, you get tired of walking around in darkness. You get to a place where you know there's something better than where you are. You've heard about it. You've sensed it. And the reason why you've been kept from it a lot of times is the hypocrisy that you see or maybe the fact that you think you have to do it. But you don't have to. Since we fail to follow his word, we need forgiveness. Now we're going to move into another color. Forgiveness is the terms of the color is equated to red. I like red. The blood of Jesus is what has been given for us to receive forgiveness. So we go from darkness, total dark. Can't see where we're going. And all of a sudden, we hit red. Red is what? It's going to stand for the blood of Jesus. Red means what? We're going to be forgiven for our sin. When the Jews were going to um, Egypt, they had to kill a lamb and put, on, put the blood over the doorpost. Sounds really gross, but it's what they had to do. This blood was for God to see. This blood was for who to see? The blood of Jesus is for God to see that you are forgiven. You understand that? The blood was for God to see in order not to kill the firstborn of the Jews. Exodus 12, 13, you read the bold. The, oh, it's not, it didn't bold it for me today. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... Everybody say that. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Don't you like that? When I see the blood, let me tell you something. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care how deep in sin you are. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how great the things that you're doing. It doesn't matter because when he sees the blood, you're in good standing. You can be backslidden as far as you want to go. I know there'll be consequences, but there'll not be God turning his face against you because every time he looks at you, all he sees is, I likes that. He sees the blood when he looks at Dennis Hill, no matter how many mistakes I've made. That's why there's no reason to wander off to a distance where you act like you're going to go eat worms somewhere. 
He loves you. He sees the blood. You may feel a consequence, but all right, ask for forgiveness and let's move forward. But by God, he sees the blood. The blood is for God to see. Somebody say amen. Amen. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That didn't have anything to do with you. Once you get born again, don't ask for forgiveness. It's okay. You're already forgiven. I'm not telling you shouldn't because it removes a distortion and a distraction. But the truth is, you're forgiven. Past, present, and future sins are forgiven. It's just good to ask to remove that distraction. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the what? Through the blood. Through the blood. How have you been brought near? Because somebody baptized you when you were a baby? Are you kidding me? You were, as soon as you come to the knowledge of Christ, the blood of God is applied to your life. That's how you've been brought near. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in pure light, we have fellowship one with another and the of Jesus, his son, us from all sin. What does all mean? I don't know of another definition. It means all conclusive. It's a conclusive thing. So why would you go out and sin and turn your life away from God when that's ridiculous? You sin. He's already forgiven. Even if you don't even say you're sorry, you have no reason to walk away from God because that verse that Paul says in Romans, nothing can separate him from the love of God. That's what it's talking about. The blood is the love of Christ that you cannot be separated from once you're born again. Are you born again? Well, I don't know that. We have to question that. Most of the times we cut ourselves, there should be a release of blood. Isn't that right? Shouldn't there be? If you don't believe it, I have a knife. We can try. Through this cut. The bleeding helps the wound begin to heal. Did you know that? Did you know that, Bruce? That's true. You need to become a nurse. You'd know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's one over there that knows. She can tell you. I'm tell, am I telling the truth? It does, doesn't it? And it also aids in keeping infection out. Am I? In the, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be a doctor. Lord, I'm She's starting to respect me. She's going, he must be a doctor. So seeing blood has its value, it must be shed for healing. See, the worst thing is, when you get a puncture and you don't bleed well, that's when infection sets in. It's true. You know that. You work in a doctor's office, right? Yeah, am I right? You can say, I am anyway. It doesn't matter because I am. I really am right. I, there's another nurse. She's covering me. There's another nurse covering me. We've got enough of them in here. There has to be blood. Come on. When you sin, you have to recognize there's a flow of blood that's never stopped coming to you so that you should not stay in the place you are. It's a great blood flow. Come on, somebody. All right, so we got darkness. We got red. Everybody know what red is? What's red? It's the blood, and it stands for forgiveness. All right, we got it. Now we got this one of my favorite colors, gold. It's all right. Leopard's going to be gold next year. Come on, somebody. Talk like A&M next year. Come on. Used to be the A&M cry next year. (laughs) Truth is, Texas, too. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Gold is the next color we progress to 
as we develop in the faith. Now, I'm talking about fishing, so I'm talking about teaching you how to fish. You have to know that all the fish you're fishing for that aren't born again are in darkness. And you have to take them to the first step. Red is forgiveness. And then you can take them to gold. It typifies our righteousness in Christ. This is simple to understand. Okay? You say, why do you have the boat up here today? I'll get to that in a minute. Don't worry about it. I'll get to the boat. We're going to have lessons on how to row. Romans 1.17. This good news tells us that God made us ready for heaven in God's sight when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. This is gold. He makes us right. This is gold. Why? Because his righteousness is living in us. That's what we have about us. That's gold. Pure gold. Romans 3.22. This from God comes through faith to all who believe there is no difference. It's really crazy. That's why nobody can ever say, well, I know they're not saved. No, you don't know that. You can never judge. They may have, they, they may have walked out of darkness they may have already received the red forgiveness blood of Christ and they may already have the righteousness of God gold in them. You don't know that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath... What is that saying? You hear people say something about, man, how'd the game go? Gold. How'd Trey play? Gold. What does that mean? He had a great game. He really did. He really did. But I mean gold. You understand what I'm saying? Something is gold. That means it's pure. That means it's right. This is what makes you gold. When somebody says, are you born again? No, I'm gold. You say, you're an arrogant thing. No, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm gold. Why? Well, I have the righteousness of Christ in me. I'm gold. Even Leroy's gold. Come on, somebody. You know we got a good God. Come on, somebody. Y'all ought to give the Lord a hand clap. He can take this. It'll be okay. If he doesn't, he'll have to have read. What? If, he's given, if he has received forgiveness, he'll have to forgive me. Amen? So it doesn't matter. Righteousness, listen to this, was first spelled, get this. I want you to hear me. Righteousness was first spelled right-wiseness. See, we're supposed to have the wisdom of God. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you here. It was first spelled Right wiseness. I like that. So when I get born again, I'm supposed to have the wisdom of God. That's how it was first spelled. It means his faithfulness, his righteousness, his truthfulness, his holiness. That's what I get in his righteousness. Are you listening to me? Do you, are, are you understanding what is yours in Christ? Are you understanding what is yours in becoming born again? We begin to enter into the priesthood when God is showing in our spirit, when gold is showing. If gold is showing, see, it's a progress of getting into the priesthood. When gold begins to show, you begin to receive the mantle for priesthood. Romans 1, 5, and 6 says this. I'm sorry, Revelation. And from...
And he has made us unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So what has he made you? You're a king and a priest. Do you carry yourself like a king and a priest? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about at home. Do you carry yourself like a king and a priest? Do you talk to your wife or husband like a king and a priest? On the job, do people look at you as a king and a priest of the Lord, or do you kind of set that mantle aside? You're talking on that CB. How do you sound? Huh? You sound like a king and a priest or the rest of the world? Exodus 19.6, they even thought this back in the Old Testament. Read this. You will be for me a... These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Do you understand? Even in the Old Testament, the entire, the whole populace was supposed to be a king and a priest. But they rejected becoming a king and a priest. Listen to me. It seems like we reject becoming a king and a priest. We're thinking it's some kind of burden that we're carrying and it's so hard to do because we've not received the righteousness of Christ. Freedom to do right is the greatest thing you'll ever have, folks. It's not freedom to win the lottery so you can make a fool of yourself. I'm not against the lottery, but I assure you they, the percentage of people winning it and living for God is not very good. This holiness is a separation that God gives not by rules and regulations, but by the Holy Ghost. It is a transparent goal that is magnified from the inside out. See, we're not talking about an outward goal. We're not talking about you spending more on the outside of you than the inside of you. Listen, we're not talking about you spending that kind of time. You don't understand. If you're not spending more time on the inside, it's easily seen that you're wasting your time on the outside. Don't shout me down. Well, I can get some looks from that, can't I? I'm not saying don't put some paint on the barn if it don't need it. Amen? What you see happening on the outside is a manifestation is what is transparent, what's transpiring on the inside. And this goes both ways. Our spiritual goal is tarnished when we have not consecrated areas in our life. Where have you left out areas that you know that God has not, is not controlling or not delivered you from? This is when your goal starts to look like it's tarnished. Huh? Or some alloy in your gold. You know about gold. If you have, what, um, eight carat gold, you can throw it against that wall and you won't bend it. But if you have 24 carat gold, you can stomp it on the ground and flatten it. We need to be that 24 carat gold where God can do what he wants to us and make us what he wants us to be and use us in whatever ministry he's called us to. The next and last spiritual color is green. So we went from dark to, green, to red to go to green. Are y'all ready for this? There is. Look here. Red, you got darkness, spiritually dead. Oh my God, I hope that's nobody in here. But if it is, we're going to take care of it. Red, forgiveness. See, this is how you talk to people. Go, righteousness, being made right in God's sight. It is not how good you can do. It's not all the great things that you do. It's not that you have money. It's not that you live in a better house, drive a better car. It's not that you're dirt poor and everybody can minister. You know, it's funny how we can minister to people that have nothing and we get intimidated by people that have something. The people that have something need to go to heaven just as much as the people that have nothing. Come on, somebody. 
Help me. Green. This color presents a believer that is actively pursuing and in submission to the will of God. Oh, I'm green. Not with envy. I'm just green. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm green. See, I got a transparency inside of me that I've done been through these colors and I want me to be to a place where I'm green on the inside and it's manifesting on the outside that I look like the image of Christ. That's green. Are you green? Huh? Have you been delivered from anger? Anger's not bad if it's, if it's in rhythm with God. But does anger sometimes lash out of you like you act like the biggest monkey in town? The Holy Ghost is leading and growth is taking place exponentially when you're in green. Acts 17, 28. For we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are of his offspring. We are in green. We know that we live and move and have our being. Everything that we are in and a part of is because we are green. We're growing. We're reproducing in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, us to himself, through Christ, and gave us the part. And I can spend many scripture doing this. But if you're green, you're not driving people away from Jesus. You have the ministry of reconciliation. He is saying you have the righteousness to be able to share the gospel. Why? You have the spirit of reconciliation. That's what you have. If you're born again. See, the reason why many of us don't understand this is because you're still in red. You can't stay in red. You can't stay in gold. You've got to get to green. Then you can begin to understand why you're saved, what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be growing. The ministry of reconciliation. Revelation 4.11 says this, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by... That's why we're here. We're green. We're green in the fact that he created all things. So we, get this, Amanda, get this. That means his spirit has given us a certain amount of creative power right here on this planet. Because that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's what green does for you. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm green. green. If you're not, say it anyway, because we're going to call it in. I'm green. See, you can stop growing. Matter of fact, you can take these colors and go backwards. You can end up back barely being forgiven. Come on, somebody. That's called being backslidden. You can end up back on the shore. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. See, these colors are supposed to be progressive. You know what you're supposed to be growing in right now if if you're really born again? You are supposed to be so, so green. If you're born again, by a certain amount of time, you ought to be green. Do you know how many people, and I've said this before, that I know that have been Christians for five years, 10 years, 30 years, and have never read their Bible all the way through? You can't be green unless you're getting fertilized. Come on, somebody. It's what the Word does. We start out, let's do this. So we have this boat up here. Everybody see my boat? If you can't see it, stand up and see it. It's a boat. Okay? Good boat. Look at this boat. Look at this boat. 
This ain't the same boat he was talking about. He's going to have to repent for some of these stories he tells. At least parts of them. I didn't say all of it was not true. Parts of it. Anyway, look at this boat. Before we get going, and I, I want to hurry up and finish this, but I want you to see this. Try to pay attention because I'm going to tell you how we progress. Look at this boat. It's been battered by the waves. Look at it. It's been scarred by the shore. Huh? And it's wind-weary. It is. It's wind-weary. But it's still in use. Some of us look a lot like this. But we're still in use. Now you get me. Some of you don't look like this because you had never been there. Some of you look like you had never got off the shore. You don't look like this boat because you still, I'm not talking about physical, I'm talking about you're still barely out of darkness because you're not going to get your boat launched. Let me tell you how it works. We start out on the shore. That means you're in darkness. You may look like all the rest, but as long as you operate in the world, you stay grounded to its ways. That's what a boat does, right? It's on the shore. From time to time, we get to the shoreline and feel the water. Therefore, we're enticed to change, but we're so used to the death of the world, we're scared, so we put off our launch. That's what this boat's been. Gets to the water, so right to the, y'all ever been to the beach? And you get to the little bit of shore break right there. It's about that deep, and that's what people do when you present the gospel to them, and they get a little wet, and they almost, they almost want to launch, but, ooh, that's too cold. Come on, somebody. Ooh, I, I don't know about that. I'm kind of scared of those waves out there, okay? No, I'm serious. I want, I want to teach you this. I want you to understand what this boat's all about. This is our faith. This is how we operate. Many of us stay tied to the pier. Oh, I want you to listen. I don't think you're listening to him. I want you to listen. See, when you start preaching the truth, people start doing something else so they don't have to listen. Huh? Your phone becomes important. I'm taking notes. What, Facebook's notes? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You're acting like you're doing something. I'm looking at taking. Give me a break. All right? Number two. Finally, God sends the right fisherman along. He says what you need to hear. He says it. And you receive the life of Christ, and now we're in the boat. The boat is now launched. We're in the water. Come on, somebody. We're starting to get happy because we're leaving the death of the shore. The land can no longer hold us. We're moving. We're progressing. We're kind of excited. Three, we begin to paddle toward open sea. Come on, somebody. I used to surf back in the day, believe it or not. Little surfer. Y'all remember this song? You do, don't you? Some of you do. Some of you are going, he's an idiot. That's all right. But I was a surfer, bad dude. Okay? Listen here. Now, I'm going to tell you what the faith is like. This is the most difficult. Why? The waves seem to be against us. When we used to surf, getting out past the shore break was sometimes the worst thing. You could, it almost wear you out getting past. And that's what happens to many of us. We hardly ever, come on, stay with me. I don't have, I'm not, I don't have any more scripture. I'm just, I'm just going to teach you what it's all about. We hardly ever get our boat past the shore break. We hardly ever do. 
but we're saved because we go back to the shore. We don't get out of the boat. Oh, some do. Doesn't mean you're not saved. You just want to live in the world. But you usually stay in your boat, and you just kind of cruise around the bank for a while. You're in that little water up there at the shore break about that deep. So you feel like you're okay. I'm still saved, ain't I? I don't know why they judge him. See, that's how you know there's difficulty in your life and you're not walking in even red, much less gold or green, because you're still talking about people judging you for what you've done, when in reality, nobody can judge you for what you've done. <laughs> By that one. Huh? This is where many get discouraged and just live in chaos. The shore break of Christianity is a must to get through. It's when you're being faced with all the things that you do that you know that are not God. It's the shore break. How can I give this up? How can I give that up? I am not going to surrender that. What is God going to give me in replacement of that? But as you keep paddling, come on, somebody, you keep paddling. You've got to use oars when you get into this area. You're paddling, and you're going side to side, and the boat's being turned around, even going sideways. But bless God, you won't quit. You have to backpedal, go forward on one side, and finally you get this thing straightened out. And finally you break the grip of the shore break. Come on, somebody. If I can get you past the shore break, you can go. I got to get you past the shore break. Some of you won't even get in a dadgum boat. Good clipboard. I've broken a few of them like that. Okay, once past the shore break, number four. I'm almost done today. Things change. Come on. Many are so tired getting through the shore break that they just float along, putting their paddles down and resting themselves to sleep. They usually end up back in the shore break. It was so hard getting through. Oh, my God. I paddle. I just, I got to rest for a while. And the next thing you know, they fall asleep. And where do they end up again? And then they look back and they're in the shore break and they go, oh, my God, I thought I was through that. It's too hard. I'm just going to float along the bank, live in the world, live in the faith, live in the world. Lukewarm. Wrong or right? It's hard getting through the shore break. I'm talking to some of you today that are in the shore break. You can't get out of the shore break. You've lived in it your whole life. It's where your comfort zone is, but there's never really any true victory. You've got to beat the shore break. That's why we got paddles. You're going to paddle your way through. So I said, why don't God just take me through? Because you wouldn't ever grow enough to know when you've changed and when he's taking over and you're still in control. You wouldn't know the difference. Number five, but there are some that refuse to end up in the shore again. Come on, look at me. I want you to get this. There's some that refuse to end up in the shore break again. They break it. And right when you're breaking the shore break, I'll remember, you have to, you have to get away from the shore break because it's constantly sucking you back. But if you'll get, go ahead and get away from it, come on, say get away. Get away. And you're getting away. Next thing you know, there's no more pull. You can turn around, as a matter of fact, in this boat and face the shore break in the boat and go, wow, I'm so glad I'm out here without a lot of pressure banging against me. I'm not having to paddle. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, things are starting to change. Somebody that's finally broken, come on, somebody that's finally broken shore break, get me, get this. You don't live in mediocrity anymore. It's not good enough to be a lukewarm Christian. 
you demand to be in ministry. Huh? You do. You won't, re you won't even resist. God doesn't have to go, I'm talking to you, get up. My God, when he gets close, you're already up. That's the people I'm talking about today. Is that you? Yes, the pull of the bank is calling. It is saying, what are you doing out there? Come on, listen. I'm talking to some of you today. What are you doing out there? Do you know you can drown out there? You might fall out of the boat out there. You better get back in here. What are you doing? Those are those friends you think are friends. Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down. They won't get off the bank, but by God, they'll yell at you because you did. Get over here. That's not what all of us are doing. That's, that's in your life. It's in my life. Don't you know it's dangerous out there? You might lose your life. I hope so. Come on, you're not getting me. I hope you. See, the reason why many of you have never got past a shore break because you won't give your life up. I'm not talking about suicide, gang. I'm talking about a spiritual dying so that Jesus now can have control. Yeah. You won't let him do it. That's why you're in the shore break. Everything happens bad happens to you. Come on, somebody. That's shore breakers. Wish I had a hat today. I said shore breakers. That ain't me. Huh? But instead of relaxing to the enemy's sway, they put their paddles down. Come on, where's my rod at? Come on, Rod, show me what they do today. Here's what they do. Here's what they do. Here's what the, here's what the green do. Here's what they do. Is this you? Is this you? See, it takes a little while to do this. It doesn't just happen. This is what most of you want for Christianity, but it doesn't just happen. All right, turn it at the top. We're fine. There we go. Tie that thing off. Thank you. Now this, this is what happens when green finally takes place. You finally get to put these things down. Because they'll wear you out. I'm telling you, unless you get in shape, paddling is not my deal. It's kind of like those little paddle boats. I don't know why people rent those things. You're all, you know, you're doing your feet. What are they good for, two minutes? And then you're going, I rented this for an hour? Come on, somebody. Am I, am I lying? And your kids going, isn't this fun? Yeah, you're not paddling, Junior. No, it's not fun. We're still paddling, right? But here's what happens. When you get to the green, it's past the shore break. I'm just wondering how many in here have set, the sail, set their sail to the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying you don't have to control because there's a, you have to control the sail. What's that? That's through the Word of God. There's a rudder back here that's being obedient to what? You know, it says taste and see. You know what taste and see that the Lord is good? You know what that really means? 
love and be loved, and then you'll see. That's all it means. Love and be loved, and then you'll see. They put their paddles down and begin to hoist the sail. Hoisting the sail is not enough. It's learning how to listen to the Holy Ghost and set your sail in His direction. These are those that progress into the green of a life of productivity. I wonder how many are here in this church. I can't worry about the other churches. I just wonder how many of y'all are out in, in, in God's sea. You got your sail up, and I'm telling you, all you have to do is learn how to listen and guide the sail, put it in the right direction, and bless God, know when his winds are blowing because the enemy has winds blowing as well. How many of y'all still on the shore this morning? Your boat's wet, but all you ever get is a little bitty old shore break. Huh? How many of y'all are fighting? I know I'm going to keep trying to do this thing called Christianity. I'm going to keep trying. That's why you can't get out of the shore break, because you don't trust God. You try, and you try, and you try, and you try, and you just beat yourself to death until finally, what do you do? You sling them paddles down in the boat, and you slide back to the shore, and you just sit there, and the waves go against your boat. Every now and then, they might take you out a little bit, and you'll think, oh, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. All of a sudden, a little bitty wave takes you back. No, it's too hard. That's too hard. They did me wrong. Come on, somebody. They did me wrong. I didn't get my raise. They talked about me. Come on, what can you use to stay on the shore? And then there's some of you that have never gotten into the boat. That means you're in darkness. Where are you today? Did you get something? Did you understand this? Did you, I want you to understand this. I want you to get your sail up. <laughs>